International House of Horrors. Valued guests, and welcome back to the International House of Horrors podcast. Your sanctuary is spooky for all things terrible, horrible, brutal, bloody, gory, and the macabre. I am one of your curators here at the house, Joe Merle. And I'm the other one. I'm Josh. Hi, Joe, and happy birthday, because just two <laughs> days ago, uh, we're recording a bit early again, but yes. just a day after the last episode hit, you I did. got older. <laughs> had a, had a, got a little bit older. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the kind words. It was a, it was a good birthday. I... Um, I was at my mom's the whole week. That was the whole reason we couldn't record last weekend. I was going to my mom's to help out with a bunch of work over there. And then this weekend, we're actually going on a vacation. We're taking off um, and going up north, which should be a ton of fun. But on my actual birthday, just had a nice dinner, hung out with the family, and sat and watched uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which I was I was very excited like about. like a perfect birthday. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> very relaxed. Not a whole lot. Um, not a whole lot going on. So it was good. Um, and yeah, man, it's, uh, we're still a little bit early. We're recording a few days early. Hopefully this will be the, the last time, at least for a little while. I can't think (laughs) of, there's one more, one more weekend coming up in September where I have to go, but that might even be later than we record. There's one Sunday where I got to go get a tattoo touched up. Uh, but I think well, that'll be, or we could, who knows? We'll figure it out. We there, always do. There's also a, a weekend uh, in September where I'll be at your place. We'll probably just record <laughs> five episodes. Yes. Good for a while. Yes. <laughs> just do them all here. Do them all live. <laughs> set up the mics. Yeah. Cause uh, Shane has still got her mic from when she recorded and we've still got some other mics around the house. So there's no reason that we couldn't just record, bang out some, uh, some commentary episodes. We'll just do like six. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Isabella. You just go figure out something you want to do for a little while. We're, yeah, we're, we'll just do podcasts. Yeah, we're going to do podcasts. We're only going to watch VHSs and, and do podcast <laughs> recordings, commentaries. Yeah. yeah, so that way, if anybody's going to follow along, they have to watch the VHS because the timing is probably a little bit different. Uh, anyways, yeah. uh, now we are before a little bit early, get, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. Before, before we go on, uh, you told me before we started, I should ask you about Oh, something. yes, yes, yes. What yes. did David Lynch say? Okay, so I, I've been really getting into um, picking up a lot of kind of inexpensive audiobooks and listening to them on my drive, kind of to supplement. You know, my podcasts are great. I've kind of dwindled down to just a few core podcasts that I listen to, and I grabbed David Lynch's uh, audiobook, which I didn't even know was a thing. I was just looking online. It was like, hey, these are some books for, you know, four ninety nine or less. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then I saw this one that was written by David Lynch, but it's also read by him. And it's called Catching the Big Fish. It's real short, only like an hour and a half long. But he was talking about a racer head. And the the book is about transcendental meditation and him talking about how he started meditating way back in the 70s. And he's meditated twice a day forever since. Like he's never not meditated and how that applies to the creative process and all this stuff. And um, which I didn't know that he always wanted to be a painter. Like, I didn't know that his thing was painting. He never wanted to make movies. He didn't see the <laughs> the good in it. And then for some project, he had made, um, what's that very first short that he did? Three men, three men getting sick. Is it three men in a room getting sick? 
Actually, I always thought like his first, that was his first movie was Eraserhead. Yeah, uh, that's his first movie. He did those shorts, though. He did the ABC shorts and he did the, I thought it was called Three Men in a Room Getting Sick. Maybe not. Let, see, let me yeah. see. I'll I, I look it up. You go see on. If you can, uh, see if you can find that. But he was, he talked about that and then he talked about his fault. Six Men Getting Sick. Sick Men. Sick, Sick Men. Okay. Six Men Getting Sick. Okay. That's just three. So nothing about a room, and it was six, not three. So I wasn't even close, yeah. but we'll, we'll keep but it. But they got sick. <laughs> yeah, but they did get sick. Uh, but he started talking about the idea of filmmaking and how he loved this notion of, um, you know, blending pictures with, with music and things like that. He's like, there were so many other components and moving parts that I decided to pursue it a little bit more. And then he talked about a razor head, and he continues to talk about his meditation and how it's like fishing. He's like, I go and, you know, do these real deep transcendental meditations and I find ideas and I just pull them out and then I'll, I'll stay with these ideas, stay with these ideas. But what really blew my mind, and I think you'll enjoy this little kind of anecdote, what he had said, because we've talked about Eraserhead. Nobody, I don't think, truly understands. And he goes, I, I didn't know what was going on with Eraserhead. I just knew I had this idea. And he's talking about how it took five years to do it. And he's like, I, I kind of knew what I wanted it to be. He's like, I opened my Bible and I started reading, I read one sentence and I said, that's it. That's it right there. And then the next line he says in this audio book, he's like, I'll never tell anyone what that sentence was. And I was just like, ah, oh, you're killing me. But yeah, just the, just the idea of this man sitting down, opening his Bible, reading through and saying, that's it. And, and to recount it all these years later, because what year was Eraserhead? 70, early, mid 70s? Early to mid, I want yeah, to say. Yeah, I think so. I, I had to just pulled up, but I already closed it down. But yeah, it was early. Yeah, so, and the fact that he's still recounting that stuff. So all these years later, he still remembers this one sentence that he read and that all of Eraserhead kind of stemmed from this this idea. I thought it was just crazy. And then he's like, I closed my Bible and just got to work because I knew, like, it was this one thing. It was just one thing. And we're never going to know. We're never going to know what that sentence was, Josh. It's bullshit. Ah, that, <laughs> it's bullshit. That, that really, really sucks. <laughs> but I'm excited. I'm excited to listen to the rest of the book. He actually had some pretty, pretty insightful things to say, and uh, he he does again all the reading, which I think is cool. When you get an author who actually reads their own stuff, and they don't suck. Some authors, I've listened to some business books and kind of self development books, and the authors should not be reading it. They shouldn't do it. Yeah. But with David Lynch, I think that's fine. And I bought a uh, a Michael Caine book that he wrote that he reads. And I'm like, I'll listen to anything Michael Caine has to say. Yeah, <laughs> That man's voice is genius. <laughs> That's crazy how many uh, uh, directors and actors and people in general write books and read them. Uh, for Yeah. Like, that wasn't a thing for so long, right? Audiobooks are just coming. Yeah, I mean, they've been, they've been around, you know, in tape form. But I think with digital distribution, it's become so much yeah. more prevalent since the because you had tapes and then you had CDs. But to get through one book, you'd have, you know, one Stephen King book would be 30 CDs or whatever, or 20 CDs. I, I had the, the fourth Harry Potter uh, book on the CD or the fifth one of those on, on CD. And it was literally a box with like, I think like it was a, a box of yeah. like, a, a, an actual size, like. At least uh, 10 to 20 discs. Yeah, that's, I mean, and it's crazy. So now it's just so much easier. And you yeah. just download it to your phone. And I understand why authors want to read their own stuff because you probably make more money that way. You know, just monetarily, it makes sense. But some people shouldn't. 
So I, I just thought that was super cool. When I heard that, I, I like stopped and looked at my radio. I was like, man, that's nuts. Just one sentence, all of Eraserhead. And he's never going to tell. Uh, he's never going to tell us. Never going to tell us what it means. Um, all right. So okay. let's, uh, let's do the show like we do every week and kick it off with our Twilight Zone recap. And we're on season one, episode 17. The Fever it was directed by Robert Flory, written by Rob Serling, Rod Serling. And I, I found out some really interesting stuff about this one before we actually dig into the, the plot in that. Okay. Is that at the time, um, slot machines or any kind of gambling machines were illegal in California. So they actually had to bring them from California, but they are from Nevada. But the entire time they had to have police officers on set, like guarding the machines. The machines weren't allowed to be left alone. So they. Okay. I mean, say, saying uh, slot machines are illegal is is okay. Yeah, they they shouldn't be there. But do you really have people to guard like as if these slot machines are actually <laughs> evil and trying to attack? Which kind right, of but no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, they were they were thinking somebody might try and steal it or run yeah. yeah run off with it, and they didn't want to use a prop machine. They needed one that actually functioned, so they had to bring them in from Vegas. I was Buck Houghton was talking about it, and he. He said it was just a huge pain in the ass to get these slot machines to shoot this uh, shoot this episode. Um, so we really only have a couple of big players in this. Everett Sloan, who had worked with Serling before, plays Franklin Gibbs. And then Vivi Janice plays Flora Gibbs, who she was great. I really liked her as well. Um, so we'll do the narration, then we'll talk about what this thing... Um, and forgive me if I screw this up. I didn't have any opportunity to um, kind of practice this one, so we're just jumping right into it. No problem. No problem. Here we go. Mr. and Mrs. Franklin Gibbs. Three days and two nights, all expenses paid at a Las Vegas hotel, won by virtue of Mrs. Gibbs' knacks with a phrase. But unbeknownst to either Mr. and Mrs. Gibbs is the fact that there's a prize in their package, neither expected nor bargained for. In just a moment, one of them will succumb to an illness worse than any virus can produce, a most inoperable, deadly, life-shattering affliction known as the fever. And then we jump right in. I love that it opens with, uh, with, with him actually saying, like, one of them, not telling us which, and they kind of try to play us with that by first having, having her being kind of interested in all the gambling. Yeah. It's not so much fun. Yeah, she's like, this is great. So they, they win this uh, trip to Vegas, which I'm assuming she won. You know, it said in the, the opening, her knack with phrase. So I'm assuming maybe it was like a newspaper contest or something. But they, they lead you to believe that this contest, like they're always bringing people into this casino. Because even the photographer is like, oh, well, we do it every other day. Somebody wins a contest. But he's talking to both of them. And, uh, yeah, you're right. It's she. We think it might be her uh, at first because she's got, like, her one coin or something. She's going to go put it into a machine. And Franklin is like, oh, that's immoral. Like, you can't. You're just going to yeah. throw away money. He really hates being on that vacation, doesn't he? Yeah. The, the whole the whole way through, he's like, he's, he's just looking grim and angry and just saying everything is sucks for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he tells her, he's like, well, I'm on your vacation. Like, I'm here, and but I'm not going to let you do that. I'll, I'll let you go on your vacation. I'll, I'll bring you out here for a couple of days, but I'm not going to let you throw your money away. Um, and so she does the, the one coin and then loses. After they had seen someone hit the jackpot, they had, yeah. they, they, we set up real quick, like, hey, um, this one woman over there wins, and she sees the basket of money go by, and she's like, isn't this great? Isn't this so much fun? 
And he gets approached by this drunk man. Like after he tells his wife, like, we're never going to do this. We're not going to throw our money away. He gets approached by this drunk man who the drunk was pretty silly. He was kind of ridiculous. And uh, the drunk guy gives him a dollar like, oh, that machine took all my money. I can't I can't play anymore here. You do it. You do it. And gives it to Franklin. Franklin puts it in, pulls the one-armed bandit, and it pays out. He ends up winning a little bit of money. And then that's when Franklin gets the fever, where the title <laughs> comes from. And, you know, this is really... It, it, the, it, the more I thought about this episode. What I like about it, and what I've always liked about it, is the voice of the slot machine. Franklin! Franklin! Yeah, Calling his name. It's almost, you, you, it's almost hard to understand, because it kind of has this... This really rough tone in it, so that it's you almost don't know what he's saying. If you didn't know that his name was Franklin, you were like, "Yeah, what's what's he saying exactly?" Well, yeah. and I was reading how they did that. Was they um, put this guy's like? Uh, let me see if I, if this is still the. Oh no, that's on a different page. I think it was on one hundred and two. They took a tube full of coins to make that voice. Like they had this tube full of coins and. Uh, they filled it up with not, I think they said they couldn't use nickels because they were nickel. Um, or no, they put hundreds of dimes and quarters, not nickels, uh, into this tube, into a metal chute. So they had yards and yards of coins running down this metal chute. And then once they got to this, they got the actor to do it. They put two speakers on either side of his esophagus and the sound of the coins were played through the speakers as he was talking. So they recorded recorded all almost like a slot machine dumping out money. They tried to simulate that recording, then put the speakers on either side of his esophagus so that the sound was playing before his actual voice left his mouth to create that metal sound that they had. Franklin, Franklin. That's, yeah. They, they put a lot of effort into that, into <laughs> yeah. that sound. Yeah, it's pretty clever. When I was reading that, I was like, man, that's crazy. But yeah. it was... Uh, so Franklin has the fever, and he he immediately. Or what I was gonna say is, I just finished a book a couple of days ago called "The Hacking of the American Mind," and it deals with addiction of all kinds, whether it be cell phone addiction, sugar addiction, and there's a big section in there about gambling addiction. And as silly as this actually looks, the progression of addiction is is spot on. Like he really is. Like he got that first hit of dopamine. And he continued to chase that over and over again, trying to get that back no matter what. Now, we have only, you know, 25 minutes of show, so it all happens really quick. But I thought they actually nailed the idea of gambling addiction pretty accurately. It was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's in the 50s. Uh, yeah. Well, 60s, but yeah. Uh, that, that That's a time where I think even addiction, well, I, they... They knew that it was a problem or as it wouldn't have been banned everywhere. Right. Yeah. They knew but, it was um, an issue, but I don't think there was a lot of science behind it. it. Yeah. yeah. You only saw the the external effect. Like you saw a drunk in the ditch, but you didn't know what exactly was going on in his brain. What made him that way? Yeah. Maybe exactly. not. I don't know. Some people could have been studying it. But yeah. So Franklin gets hooked and they go up to the room after he wins his couple coins and his excuse to get back down there, he's like, I just can't keep this immoral money. Got to put it back into the machine. Yeah, I'm going to go feed it into that. I'm going to show that machine. I'm going to show it. And so he goes down there, gets all dressed back up. And then when Flora finally goes down to find him, 
Um, he's now like really hooked, and we see him he, already crazy. Yeah, he's oh, I, it's got to hit sometime. It's got to hit sometime, and it's he goes. I think he was on like his third check that he had written to get more coins. He keeps spending more and more and more of their money, and even the the casino kind of pit bosses are like, yeah, I've seen it happen before, but not like this. This is bad. And then the the slot machine takes his last dollar, and he's having visions of the slot machine. Franklin, Franklin, following him around yeah. the room. Well, yeah. be, before he uh, he actually, uh, like, he puts the last dollar in, doesn't win, then goes crazy and said, I, I would have, I'm not sure, I uh, was the machine breaking down? Yeah, it was, it, was, because, yeah, yeah. it was broke down. It took his last dollar, so, but didn't let him pull the lever. Yeah, and then he said, like, uh, it, it took my money. I would have won now. It's It's been a chance. And then he throws it over and uh, they... they They have an out-of-order sign quick, quickly yeah, ready. <laughs> right on hand. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, then he uh, then he goes upstairs, and then the machine follows him around. Yeah, and yeah, he's having these visions of this machine continually calling him back, which, vi I mean, in the episode seems a little bit silly, but I think, again, it's a great visual representation of what true addiction probably looks like. You know, that yeah, addiction's exactly. just pulling at him, pulling at him, pulling at him, wanting him back. And he gets pushed back far enough, and then he just falls right out of the window. Yeah, exactly. And um, we, we talked uh, last week about how this episode is uh, lower rated than most of the others. I think it's at 6.7 or something. Yeah, it's right in there and, somewhere. Yeah, and uh, now I understand why. I still really like the episode, like you said yesterday. But yeah, I can understand, especially the scene you just said about the machine, how it follows him it, it looks silly it doesn't yeah uh, yeah it, it, it does doesn't. and especially compared to everything we've watched up until this point yeah. yeah also i i gotta say i i, I like i said i really like it but it kind of doesn't feel like a, a twilight zone episode in the in the same way as most others do right yeah this seems more because up until this point we've been dealing with space And, and things that people feared, where I don't think at this time there probably wasn't a huge public outcry about gambling addiction. You know, like, yeah. like they were afraid of nuclear weapons. They were afraid of what happened in space. They were afraid of driving down the highway, somebody gets in your car, and, uh, you know, there's a, a crazy stranger following you around. Those were all, yeah. all big fears where I feel like this one would have been easy to brush off and say, well, that could never happen to me. Like, why, you know, I'm not even concerned about it. Especially when gambling wasn't as prevalent as it is yeah. today. Yeah, exactly. And it's it, it's still, like I said, it's it's really good. And like you said, it really shows uh, the uh, the addiction part in a, in, a, in a good way that I think... Uh, It, I, I don't think it was talked about as much at the time, like yeah. gambling, like you said. And so I, I still really like it. And the, the acting was good. Like he, he played the, the addicted crazy guy pretty well. Like it didn't feel too over the top. No, he was. I thought they were both great. Both of yeah, them were exactly. really good. And so, uh, yeah, that's I mean, I mean, there's not a ton more to say about it. There was a good last shot. I like the coin rolling away. I thought that was um, kind of his final dollar. And I, you know, it, it ended again. I think if you look at this thing truly through the lens of addiction, that's where a lot of addictions lead people is a road to death in so many ways. You get addicted to almost anything and it will get you to that place one way or another. 
So it was, um, yeah, it's silly compared to everything else, but I still really enjoy it. And I think I like it even more this time around because I always just thought it was funny. The machine following him around. I thought kind of yeah. like the the refrigerator in Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> yeah. You know, it felt it felt They're almost a like a silly that. movie. Right. Yeah. Very silly. <laughs> not serious at all. Uh, so overall, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it's a good one. I think it, it gets the rating that it deserves, but only because it's compared to so many other great episodes. You know? Yeah. So all right. So let's do the closing narration and we will uh we'll move on. Mr. Franklin Gibbs visited to Las Vegas who lost his money, his reason, and finally his life to an inanimate metal machine, variously described as a one-armed bandit, a slot machine, or in Mr. Franklin Gibbs's words, a monster with a will all of its own. For our purposes, we'll stick with the latter definition because we're in the twilight zone. All right, so next week, if you are following along, we've got The Last Flight is episode 18, Uh, another one based on a story by Richard Matheson. So he was just showing up across the board in this first season. I mean, Yeah, but uh, we we talked about, I think he has like 12 episodes or something, so we're almost through with this. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we've gone gone through a ton of them already. But uh, The Last Flight is a fun one, so hopefully you are following along, uh, but we'll get to that one. Get to that yeah, one next week. I hope week. we're not spoiling this for everyone and no one is watching the movie, uh, the episodes and yeah. just listening and being spoiled all over. Because with The Twilight Zone, even though it's not only about the twist, the twist is often a big part. Yeah. But I'd say, that, I mean, they're just great stories in so many ways. And, yeah. um, you know, it is considered a, on many lists one of the greatest television shows ever made. It's still very, very high up on a lot of lists. So let's uh, move along and get into the... The topic of the day, which is uh, which is horror musicals. Yeah, I think we talked about it a, f- a few times already that we want to do it, and we're waiting for me to watch that one final movie. Right. <laughs> and I finally watched it, and then we I, I watched it a few weeks ago, and I think we kind of forgot that we wanted to do that episode. And yes. <laughs> so a few days ago, I remembered, hey, let's do the horror musicals, and yeah. now we're here. <laughs> yes, we are here, and to be... Very upfront at the beginning of this episode. I think, um, you know, I've seen a few things on this list. I've not seen everything on the horror musical list. And I'm not a huge musical person. I, I, I enjoy I enjoy certain ones, but they've got to be they've got to be really good. They got to be standout for me to watch it. And so when you start blending horror in with that, there are some amazing standouts. But there's some other stuff that even just reading some of these descriptions, I'm like, what in the hell is this? There's a few that I've wanted to see for uh, a long time that I haven't seen yet. Like I've always heard Phantom of the Paradise is great, the Brian De Palma movie. I've, I've seen that yeah. pop up on many lists, but I have yet to yet to see it. It looks like it's on Prime. You can rent it. But we're just going to work through um, work through this list. You had found this list for us. We'll talk about the few things that we, we do know and then... Um, Maybe some of the stuff we we don't know, we can just kind of look at the write-up and see if it's something we'd even want to watch. Yeah, exactly. We're just going to go into it a little bit. But I think like some of the horror musicals, especially on this list, are some of the best movies. Like Some of these musicals are just so good that I really love them. The, the first one on this list is one that I've seen at least four or five times, been in the musical a few times in the live show. and uh, But there's... 
I'm, I'm in, uh, other than you, I'm a big musical fan. Like there's, there's lots of musicals that I've seen and really enjoyed. But I, I agree with you that musicals have to be good. Like it's not like with most horror movies where there can be like a, a, a lower tier where it's kind of okay, so it's fun or uh, again with musicals. If the if the songs in a musical suck or are weakly recorded, like in a in a very weak, like that, it just sounds shit. Then the whole musical sucks. Right. The story could be the best. The effects could be the best. It still wouldn't be a good musical. And with uh, so it it has to be great. But there are lots of really good ones. Yeah, and there's some, there, there are some good ones. And you know, all throughout high school, I was in drama. I did a lot of musicals. I was, you know, took part in a bunch, but it's just in, I think, okay, so maybe I'll phrase this better. I like musicals on the stage. I don't like them as much as movies. Okay. I feel like they play better on a stage than they most of the time. Now, some of these movies on this list, I think are fantastic and really good. So I'm not saying, yeah. saying I'll sit here and bash all the movies. Um, but there's a few that, yeah, they're just not not quite as good. But this first one you got up is amazing. So why don't you kick us off? Sorry, my internet just went black. Oh, you're good. <laughs> for, for a second. Okay. So uh, what was the last thing you said? <laughs> I said get us started on this list. Let's rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. Let's get us started. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the first one, I've, I've got a little anecdote. You just said that you were in a few musicals. Um, I was in one musical uh, live production and that was in high school when I was in fifth grade. So I was like 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. And I was uh, an extra in the little shop of horrors that we performed <laughs> in our high school because there's one song uh, somewhere that's green where she sings about her, uh, her dream of, uh, of living in this, in this nice house somewhere in the suburbs and in the dream, she sees her kids running around and playing. And I was one of the kids. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very yeah. Nice. So the, the first movie, this is maybe because of that, but also because I just really love it. It's The Little Shop of Horrors. I've seen the movie five or six times. I went And to we're the talking musical. about the 86 version, not the, yeah, because, not the 60 version. Which because the 60 version wasn't, wasn't a musical. musical. No. Yeah. And uh, Little Shop of Horrors, it's just the songs are amazing. The, uh, the the whole story. It's got Rick Moranis uh, in his in in a leading role, but also the uh, the extras include. Uh, I mean, like, Steve Martin, the, the Bill Murray, Christopher Guest, John Candy, Belushi. I mean, you yeah. had you just had a, an amazing cast. Yeah, and most thing. of them are are cameos. Like the, yeah. the the big ones. Yeah, Steve Martin is actually like uh, the, the the big uh, the big evil uh, uh, doctor. But else, yeah, Jim Belushi, John Candy, uh, Christopher Guest, Bill Murray, they're all just cameos, like just one one scene and they're done. Right. Uh, Bill Murray is actually uh, the, the cameo um, remake of the cameo in the original where it was Jack Nicholson. Right. But he was a cameo before he was actually a big A name. huge star. And we, we yeah. would be remiss if we didn't say this was directed by Frank Oz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... Oh, and the, the best thing about this movie, if, if you watch it, is the puppeteering of right. Audrey 2. I still can't believe that that is a puppet. Physical effects. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Because it just completely feels real. They had, I think they had like, I've seen some behind the scenes stuff. 
So for anyone who doesn't know the movie, it's about a little uh, plant that uh, grows up and becomes uh, a monster. Basically. Yeah, yeah, a, a monster. monster. And that plant is a complete puppet, and it was, uh, I think, handled by like five to ten people. Yeah, who like each pulled one string because it got all the all the um, the, the vines the, and everything the, and the, the yeah, the essentially vines coming the, out. the limbs. And if anyone yeah, can do it, though, it is. Moving. Yeah, it, and if anyone could do it, it is Frank Oz. I mean, a man who, yeah. you know, was so close to Jim Henson for all those years, so close to puppeteering for all that time. Uh, if anybody and he was do Yoda. It. Yeah, and it did, it did get the Oscar nomination for Best Effects. It got nominated, and it got nominated for the Best Music Original Song for Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. Which is awesome. I'm a mean green mother right. from outer space, and I'm bad. <laughs> which is such a good I, I one. Just, I remember the last time I watched that musical, I actually, I, that always happens to me. I put on the soundtrack and just listen to the to the songs a few times. And like, I think I've had that one on for like a week where I yeah. just listen to that musical all over again. It and is such a, um, I mean, it's, it's Rick, yeah, it's a great, just a great movie. Yeah. And Rick Moranis is actually a great singer. Like they all are. They're all really right. good. And I like Mick, Rick Moranis. Um, yeah, I've always I'm been a big fan. He plays that kind of awkward uh, you know, nerdy type character really, really well. Yeah, so this is a total recommend. Maybe we should have uh, took that uh, list the other way around because I feel like this is sorted like in a ranking. Oh, he, yeah. He had oh, the great no, movies. No, it doesn't look like it is. I'm looking at all the IMDb scores and they go up and down all over. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's not in so, any sort of ranking that way. Okay, good. Then let's let's go on. Uh, the next one uh, on the list is one that you just mentioned. Uh, it's The Phantom of paradise yeah and it's listed which, as a comedy drama fantasy a disfigured composer sells his soul for the woman he loves so that she'll perform his music however an evil record tycoon betrays him and steals his music to open his rock palace the paradise yeah and as far as i know it's a remake or reimagining of the phantom of the opera right yeah and i've so always, i've seen the still images of the the phantom it's like a weird bird face mask yeah okay yeah and i've, I've seen i don't know what list i saw this on or where somebody maybe somebody recommended it to me but i've seen this I, many times and it's something that i need to just buy forget about it though it's not something yeah that I, i've i've heard of it uh a lot because the i i often talk about the horror etc podcast the podcast that's really um, influenced what I watched and they made a whole episode about Phantom in Paradise. Oh, really? Because one of the hosts was a big fan of it. Nice. And I think I never listened to it because I wanted to see the movie first. But yeah, I also never got around to it. And I think it's not available in Germany at all. <laughs> so oh, that sucks. That's a, that's a bummer. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I've, I've heard good things about it. And I'm not sure if it's uh, a musical as in the people start singing or if it's more like... Um, like these jukebox musicals where there's just lots of songs being performed. Oh, like, uh, yeah. Like in the same way that, uh, uh, um, what's that, that document mockumentary uh, by uh, Christopher Guest, um, This is Spinal Tap. Yeah, yeah. It's If it's in that kind of way, a musical where there's lots of performances, but not actually the music singing, I, carrying. Because yeah. that's what I think musical is. You know, we've talked about it before. The... Lyrics actually help to carry along the song or the movie. You know, they, they have to do with the plot and they, they move the plot along. Um, I did see, though, in Phantom of the Paradise that it's got Jessica Harper in it, 
from Suspiria. She was from the original Suspiria, which I like her a lot. So, yeah, that's something I'm going to have to keep on my radar. And it's got a 7.4 on IMDb. It's got a 67 meta. So I'm sure there's something there. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to see it as well. I got I to gotta look out for that a bit more. Uh, but yeah, the, the next one on the list is that's that's an actual musical and another great one. Around the same time, I think. Yeah, one year later was Phantom of Paradise. Yeah. And now we're talking the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I, I, I've also seen live on stage once. Oh, nice. It's it's great. <laughs> it is. You know, it's I went Shane's birthday a few months ago. I bought her the soundtrack on vinyl because it's one I would say of all the horror musicals, it's got the biggest following. Like people who like this movie like it a lot. They really I think I mean with all the midnight showings and you know dressing up, singing, the audience participation. I think in Germany, I, I think in Munich, I'm not fully sure, but I think in Munich is a theater that just plays Rocky Horror Picture Show every night since forever. That's so weird. I was hoping you were going to say they do a musical of Schindler's List. And <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's, not a, that's not a cinema around the corner. <laughs> right. It's never going to stop, folks. The jokes are never going to stop. So just buckle in and get used to it. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, the, the following is it's insane. Like I have so many friends who have gone to the midnight showings, done the full makeup, full costumes, um, it's just huge, but it's it's a great musical. Like it's so much fun because it's so weird, so weird. Yeah. It's it's completely just spaced out, and uh, the the following is a is a big part of this movie. I think this movie is because of the audience and the musical. Yeah, because if you go to uh, any midnight showings or to the live stage show, like when I went to the live stage show, you could actually buy a bag of goodies for throughout the. Uh, the, uh, the the theater so when they are first out and it's raining you got a newspaper that you can hold over your head that oh, everyone nice. can hold over their head then uh, for for one scene where they unveil Rocky I think you got to- a, a roll of toilet paper that you could throw and it was also because we were sitting upstairs in the in the theater and so there was lots of people down <laughs> nice. below us and oh also for the rain the people above had a little water gun oh really could yeah could uh, spray water down so it's it's all really interactive and just crazy and i don't i i don't think i'd wish to be staff on the showings of that movie <laughs> right because there's lots of cleanup to do i had one opportunity and i missed it when i was in vegas for a work meeting i got in too late but they were running evil dead the musical and i wanted to see it so bad because I've heard, like, the, well. you know, like, the the first few rows or whatever, there's, like, blood and stuff spraying everywhere, and you take a rain poncho. Yeah. <laughs> but Rocky Horror, and the, the music of Rocky Horror is so good. Like, all the songs are singable. You know, you only got to hear it once or twice, and you, you know the music. You know the yeah, music and, to this movie. And some of these songs are even, like, branched out. Like, the time warp is something that's really done on parties every now and then. Right. Yeah. Where you just where you just do the dance without any context of the movie. Yeah, you can do it, you can hear it, you know it. And of course Tim Curry's performance is um unbelievable. So good. Transylvanian transvestite. Yeah. Transsexual no, Transsexual yeah. Transvestite from Transylvania. Right. I'm not sure if that movie would fly the same way <laughs> today. See, and I feel like it would because they really embraced a lot of the his kind of transgender nature. Yeah, they kind of 
And I think that, you know, for a long time, it was a movie that the LGBTQ community kind of grabbed onto because of, yeah. you didn't have a ton of that stuff on the screen. And he was, um, oh, he was so good in that. So good. I think I got to rewatch that because, yeah, it's, it's just great. Outside of that, did you watch the shitty TV show they did? No. Yeah, I it, was, it was really it bad. It was really bad. It sucks. That's horrible. Let's let's go on. Uh, the next one on this list is one that I've never heard of. Yeah. Uh, from 2016, Spy Darlings. Yeah. And just the just the the cover art, it says Anarchy in the UK. And the write-up is poverty-stricken lovers, Eden and Matilda, have enough trouble just getting through the days. But when Eden buys a pet spider, the real trouble starts. Which so, <laughs> I don't know. So, this actually got 6.8 on IMDb, yeah. and it looks like it's a really shitty movie from the poster. Maybe it is a, like a, a celebration of the uh, of, of all the times. Like, uh, you know, maybe the poster is actually a play on, like... But it, it really doesn't look like an old-timey poster. It just looks like a shitty poster. Yeah, and I'm reading through right now... Yeah, just looking at the poster, it looks like something I could have made easily in Photoshop. Yeah. But it says that there's a serial killer terrorizes the sleazy nightclub they work at. And with the killer on the loose and their landlord on their case, the lovers have nowhere to turn. That is until the arrival of their new mysterious pet spider. <laughs> so Okay, so that's that's that sounds like a totally different plot than the one right, in the in the right. first description. Uh yeah, but uh but yeah, it, six it, point six point eight on IMDb. So uh, how, how many how many votes does it have? Maybe it's one of those. It has a hundred yeah, hundred and fifty five. So it might have been everybody who was in the movie. <laughs> the people in the movie and the friends and family. Right. Um, but let's again, it go looks. On. It, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, uh, because the next one is one that I've actually seen. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed. It's also a, a shitty musical. It's also really. Low budget, and it's directed by Lloyd Kaufman. It's Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead. Yes. and I think it's on YouTube. It, it is. And the thing, though, is whenever you see that name, Lloyd Kaufman, you know you're getting into a trauma movie. You know what you're getting. You, you don't go into it expecting anything outside of a trauma movie, which a lot of the stuff that he's directly tied to like that. Um, and this, yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen Poultry Geist. But I remember the, um, but you got zombie chickens at a, was it a restaurant? Where, a yeah, restaurant? It, it yeah. was a KFC. It was right, a fake right, right. KFC fake, that fake they KFC. built on, a, on an Indian burial ground. <laughs> I, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but for some reason it really stuck in my head. And it was so shitty, but so much fun. Yeah, they built this uh, KFC on, a, uh, on, on an Indian burial ground. Then uh, they... Uh, they open up and that our main guy gets a job there and it's all really disgusting because like the, the chicken eggs are like uh, completely crazy. Uh, I still remember uh, that uh, really fat guy and I remember the joke that I first didn't get at all because in Germany he wasn't a big thing but I talked about oh are you Jared the guy who lost so much weight <laughs> this? and he's like enormous. Yeah. And he, he eats the chicken, then goes to the toilet and shits himself out. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and yeah, the, the, the movie is completely bonkers. And 
the music is actually really good and fun. Right. Yeah, it's and and Lloyd Kaufman. I mean, I've been a Troma fan for a long time since the first time I saw maybe Tromeo and Juliet or one of the Toxic Avenger movies. But I I like the you know Troma has this business model that they don't really veer from very far, and I I've always enjoyed it and I will continue to enjoy it. But Troma is one of those things you either like it or you don't. Yeah, and I I think Poltergeist was my first Troma movie. Oh, that's a good one to start sure. with. Yeah, and also, as far as I know, Lloyd Kaufman is just completely crazy. Like, uh, and uh, like he is, I think he's a good businessman in ways, but he's also, if you ever see him in any interviews or something, he's always completely crazy and he doesn't even talk sense. He just says random things most of the time. He almost, he comes from the same school as like John Waters, where they're just yeah. off doing their own thing. Like, it doesn't matter what anybody tells them to do. They're just, yeah. I'm going to do whatever I want. Or even a little bit like Roger Corman, you know, you could he, say. A, I think he's the poor man. <laughs> that sounds so weird. He's the poor man's Roger Corman. Because right. Roger, he, he does the same thing. He gives money to people to make their movies, but he has even less of a quality standard, I guess. <laughs> right. Uh, Which Roger, also, Roger uh, Corman didn't set the bar very high for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, we actually uh, both talked to a guy uh, who uh, had a movie released by Troma. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, Craig DeLiso, uh, the director Knife. of Hectic Knife. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, he uh, he talked to Lloyd Kaufman, I think, because... Uh, yeah, he had Lloyd met Kaufman, him at the Troma headquarters. Yeah, exactly. And Lloyd actually really liked, like, saw his movie and liked it enough to distribute it, which right. is great. Which is and, super cool. Yeah. So yeah, that, that musical just—it's on YouTube. They put it up for free because uh, Troma has lots of their movies on their own YouTube channel. Just watch it. It's uh, it's crazy. It's fucked up, but it's lots of fun. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go on. The next one is one that's nineteen seventy-three. I don't just—I don't think deserves to be on this list, but you do. You swear up and down. You wait until I'm not on the show so you can talk to Micah about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. You agree with me. We're moving on. Moving on. You agree with me, Micah. The the next movie on the list is from 1973, The Wicker Man. And if you want to hear us talk about it and also talk in depth about if it is a musical, which yeah. it clearly is. Uh, you can listen to the episode we did on it a few months back by now, I think. Yeah, we did both of the Wicker Man movies, the Nicolas Cage yeah. and the uh, Robin Hardy versions and of the movie. I agree that the Nicolas Cage version is not a musical. <laughs> Just stop talking. Just stop talking. Podcast over forever. Cancelled. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, the only thing I'll say about the Wicker Man is the music in it is good. It, it is it's, really it's, good. It's really yeah. good music. But I don't think, you know, if you put it side by side, you had just recently watched and in the apocalypse, I would not even, those aren't even in the same world when it comes to being musicals. That's true. But also it was a different time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Keep coming up with your, your excuses, your ideas. Anyways, yes, okay. if you want to hear the Wicker Man talk, we did have a whole episode about it. So you can check that out. Uh, it was a fun one. It was yeah. a good time. The next one I haven't seen but I hope you have, because it, I think it's one that most people have seen, and I just didn't get to it. It's Repo, the genetic, genetic opera. Yeah, and I don't remember a lot about Repo. I watched it when it first came out. What year did it come out? 2000. uh, 2008. So I watched it, I think, when it first, maybe 2009, whenever it started hitting DVD and stuff like that, because 
to your point, everybody kept recommending it. And they were like, you got to watch this movie, Repo, got to watch it. All I remember about Repo, I don't remember anything about the music, like what what made it good or bad or, or anything else. I just remember that it was in the future, like in the not so distant future now. And there was a huge problem with liver, not livers, but organs were failing. And so people would get these organs, but then you had a repo man. Like if you couldn't pay for your organs, they would just come take them back out of you. And it, I, I do remember there was um, good gore in it. And uh, you, the settings, I got to rewatch it. Cause now even trying to recall it, I don't, I don't really remember, but I know I enjoyed it. I do remember enjoying it. That's the problem with watching too many movies. Is okay, yeah, yeah, that, that's true. Also, if you go to the uh, your IMDb, always has these more like this uh sections. And for this one, okay, there is a 2006 short that's also re repo the genetic opera, so that's probably uh, maybe what they started connected. with, yeah, yeah. And it also the, the last one on the first page is House of the Thousand Corpses, is a recommendation for this uh movie, so that's cool, yeah. I, I really want to see this. Yeah, you can so see, see if you can. Um, I mean, it looks like it's on Prime over here. So you okay, can gotta, watch it. Yes, you should see if it's on Prime for you when we're done. Yeah. I, I just. Oh, there's also Repo Man. Maybe I got that confused. There's, I always felt like there was like a, an original Repo Man, like from the, uh, I don't know, uh, 70s. But maybe I had that wrong in my head. Yeah, I don't know. But also, for the longest time, I thought it said Repo the Generic Opera. <laughs> I was a little less excited about it. <laughs> but yeah, so you haven't seen it in a long time. I haven't seen yeah, it Yeah, maybe. I mean, now that I know it's on Prime, maybe I'll try and rewatch it this week. Maybe I'll try yeah, tonight. I, see if I can... I'll see if I can find it anywhere at all. <laughs> and next up uh, is actually one of the ones that I got to do when I was in drama in high school. Yeah, I got to do uh, Sweeney Todd. The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. And this, of course, is the Tim Burton version. I don't know if there were any other film versions. There might have been way back when. Who knows? I think I've seen some on IMDb, yes. But or even if it was done for, like, British television, you know, there could probably. be something something like that. But I think this is the version that most people would would think of when they think of Sweeney Todd. And I, I like Sweeney Todd. I, But in the... I think in the realm of Tim Burton movies, when this came out, I just wanted old Tim Burton. I didn't want this, and everything kind of started to feel the same with his movies around this time. Like, everything had that same look. But this one is, uh, I mean, it's good fun. And, and the songs yeah. are great. Like I said, I got to do it in high school, which was a ton of fun. This is the story of Sweeney Todd. Um, but you had Alan Rickman in there. Um, who was the uh, Sasha Baron Cohen played the oh, yeah, he, yeah the traveling um, something something miracle elixir yes oh Mister miracle elixir when he had that kid out there doing that deal and they had the the shaving competition but as yeah. far as as far as horror goes the story is great like this dude yeah, just taking dead bodies and feeding them to other people so somehow horror and musical sometimes really makes well like with this one yeah. And and it, it just feels like it shouldn't fit at all. And this is not because when you think of musicals, it's still something more highbrow usually. At least the, the live musicals, the stage shows, right? Because yeah, and horror is usually seen as the the lower end of the 
of the classes. And so this is like this mix where like people really like this musical, but it's about a guy killing people and baking them into uh, into pies. Right. <laughs> yeah, his famous meat pies. And <laughs> the the aesthetic of this movie is is great. Like it feels, you know, everything. I mean, it feels very Tim Burton, you know, this this looks yeah. very similar to Sleepy Hollow. The gray palettes across everything with bright red blood every once in a while. Yeah. But yeah. And Sweeney it's, Todd's I'm, fun. Yeah, I'm still a big uh, Tim Burton fan slash apologist. Like, I, I still enjoy every single one of his movies, and I really enjoyed this one. I enjoy um, almost I, all of them. I was not a big fan of the Alice in Wonderland stuff. I I really liked that. Yeah, kind of yeah, way. you <laughs> would. You would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I got this one on DVD. I, I think I got to rewatch it because it's been forever since I've seen it. Shana turned it on maybe six months or so ago. She had it on in the living room. And I do enjoy it. And that's when Johnny Depp was still uh, doing cool things. Yeah. Before he went off the off the rails. So, yeah, that's a good one. If you get a chance to watch it, check it out. And the next one, I remember popping up, but I have, not, I have yet to watch it from 2010. Don't go in the woods. Yeah, it's it's a title that sounds... Yeah. Old, and it's directed by Vincent D'Onofrio. Right. I just saw that and I was like, oh, okay. I mean, he's done some... Uh, I like D'Onofrio. He's done some good things. I, I love D'Onofrio. So usually uh, I, I watch it and... But this is rated 2.6 on IMDb. Yeah, which is bad. And it's got a 29 meta. So it's... <laughs> Yeah, but I I feel like I've heard. So the the story is a young band heads to the woods in order to focus on writing new songs, hoping to emerge with new music that will score them their big break. They instead find themselves in the middle of a nightmare beyond comprehension. Yeah, so it sounds so, all right. the The write up sounds fine, but yeah, I've never seen I've never seen the next one either from 1987. Billy the Kid <laughs> and the Green Bay's Vampire. And it says Cockney, Cockney, Cocky, Cockney, snooker player Billy Kidd accepts the challenge of a grudge match from Maxwell Randall, who is the Green Bay's vampire, six times world champion. The loser will never play professional snooker again. That <laughs> that sounds. <laughs> I yeah, I think comedy first, probably. <laughs> right. Yeah, comedy first, and maybe musical after. Billy the Kid and the Green Bay's Vampire. Who knows? The next one, though, I know we've both seen from 1993. Uh, really put kind of Trey Parker on the map. Cannibal the Musical, which for anyone who's ever seen an episode of South Park, you know that these two dudes can write music. I mean, just beautifully. Even the South Park movie or Team America. Anything they put their hands on where they do any kind of music, it's beautiful. Now take that amazing ability to write talent and put it in the kind of old West uh, frontier type areas where you have one guy who's left behind after this um, mining expedition goes bad and he's left uh, kind of like a Donner party. He's just got to start eating people. Isn't it based on the Donner party? I think it was, it yeah, like loosely, yeah. but I don't think the Donner yeah. party was, they were just stuck in the... Um, Mountains, but no, yeah, it might be completely pulled, but I don't think it was completely pulled. So the the description for some reason is just uh, the sole survivor of an ill-fated mining expedition tells how his taste for gold was displaced by that of human flesh, right? Which sounds 
Like this movie is actually not uh, 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 not really as much about cannibalism as it makes it sound. This is not about a guy going crazy. This is about the guy actually just having to eat people because else he would die. Right. Yes. And even Every reading, pecker, the, yeah, the, even the, reading the bigger um, description. Yeah, they were got lost in the mountains in the winter. It sounds like the Donner Party to me. Yeah, because in this movie, it's not the actual actions. It's like him retelling what had happened. Like, I think it even starts when he's in court, right? Or it starts somewhere I, like that. Like, he's, be, yeah. he's in custody, and um, he says and he's what's, yeah. innocent and all that stuff. Um, and then you get, like, flashbacks throughout, and you get into what had actually happened. But it's so much yeah. fun. And uh, the the movie is, uh, yeah, it's it's... Lots of fun. It's not gory at all, even though it sounds like it's one of the craziest movies. Uh, and it, yeah, it's not just the music, but also the comedy very much feels like South Park. So right. you can clearly see this is those guys doing it. And uh, you, you talked about Trey Parker, but Matt Stone is also in this. He right. is, uh, was a big part. And what, what I find really interesting is there's also a, a Stan Prekage, or however he is uh, spelled in this movie, And uh, when I heard it, I was kind of confused because I knew that name. I didn't know where from. Stan Prekage was actually Trey Parker's um, uh, professor in the university where he studied film. And he's best known for like doing these really weird experimental short films. There's lots of them on YouTube and I've seen a few. I think he made Moth Light, which is just like he made lots of these very experimental shots where it's just pictures and things happening and you don't know what's going on or why he did it. And so seeing him in this like really crappy, uh, but kind of awesome musical uh, released by Troma is just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was released by Troma. They picked it up and decided to put it out. It's um, again, I mean, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, their ability to do music is some of the best in the industry right now because they'll create a song about anything you can think of and it's always catchy it's always good topical it's good. they're still they're still winning all the awards for their other musical for the book of mormon oh yeah i mean that's been sold out for how many years now like wherever it yeah. goes it's it's crazy yeah and it's it's completely crazy that the guys who made south park are like uh some of the um like they they are actually in the um They, they even won an Oscar for best song uh, for the uh, for one of the um, uh, South Park the movie. Oh, did they really? And yeah, because they are actually. I'm not sure if if Trey Parker won it or if he's uh, very close to winning an EGOT, where he's got uh, an Emmy, a Golden Globe, an Oscar, and a Tony. So he's got because them all. I, yeah, and there's 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 not many people who do that. Like there's like seven, and he's one of them. I think. I'm not sure. Maybe he's close to. This one was nominated for the Oscar for Blame Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love that song. I, I think someone said uh, they uh, they probably um, nominated it for that because they couldn't nominate it for any of the other songs right. in the musical. Because you, you can't say, and the, best, uh, the Oscar for best original music goes Uncle to... Uncle Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Blame Canada, so, blame Canada with their funny flopping heads. Um, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Cannibal the Musical is good. Uh, next up, 1993's, I don't know if you consider it horror, uh, but it is on the list. 
The Nightmare Before Christmas. Again, um, Tim Burton is here. It was his idea from long ago, but Henry Selick was the one who directed it. And just like Trey Parker and Matt Stone, you put Danny Elfman on almost anything, and the dude is gold. You know, he's gold. One of the best composers in the business has been for many, many years. Some of the most, I mean, he's up there for me with like a John Williams, where he's just created some of the most iconic sounds that everybody knows. I mean, the Simpsons theme, who doesn't know the theme to the Simpsons, Tales from the Crypt, um, all of Tim Burton's stuff. He's been behind, yeah. you know, the Batman theme. That's the theme everybody thinks of when they think of Batman. That yeah, he is great. And this one, he actually sings like he's not just yeah. a composer. He actually sings. And uh, it's actually, um, yeah, this, this is one of the movies that always gets me angry because there's so many people now in the in the. Uh, now that everyone knows everything about movies, they're all like, why is this called Tim Burton's uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas? He had nothing to do with it, basically. Right. But like, you can still see this is Tim Burton. Like, he had everything to do with it. I mean, it was yeah. uh, he created all the designs. He created the story. He wrote the poem. Like everything exactly. he had to do with this thing. And, and you can see it. Like this oh, doesn't sure. look like... Like, okay, you got to say Henry Selick in general has a very similar style to Tim Burton. Like, yeah, and I'm sure they worked, did, uh, you know, they, right. They worked very closely. I have no doubt. James yeah. and the Giant Peach. Um, and it looks like he's going to do the TV series for Little Nightmares, which would be really, really cool if he does that. Because I like the, uh, I like that video game a lot. Super creepy and it would fit that style wonderfully. But yeah, The Nightmare Before Christmas I think where people get angry is because there's still confusion. They think Tim Burton directed it, but I don't know who's who's really thinking that. Of all the movies on this list, Nightmare Before Christmas is probably the biggest cultural phenomenon. Like, it's just, I mean, it's everywhere. You go into any any stores, even Walgreens. You go into Walgreens and they got Jack and Sally stuff out at Halloween and at Christmas. You can get a yeah, Jack and a Santa, a Santa hat. That's the thing is this movie is perfect because you can watch it like every day from uh, starting October to the end of December. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it'll be relevant to everyone. And I love Patrick Stewart's uh, intro. His his voice intro that he does is so good. Um, but yeah, the Nightmare also, Before Christmas. I got, Go ahead. Yeah, I got, uh, I got a special edition DVD of that movie. And there's actually uh, the original poem uh, that uh, this is based on. Um uh, on the DVD um, with uh, Vincent with animations. No, oh yeah, did I think I have that same DVD? It came with the Vincent short, the Vincent yeah, Price exactly. one. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that he had done. But but what what's on this is like this the original poem with actual artwork by Tim Burton and read by um, now I can't think of his name. Damn, Christopher Lee. Oh, nice. And yeah, nice. He, Christopher Lee was kind of the guy uh, Tim Burton went to after <laughs> after, after Vincent Price uh, died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, after Vincent Price died, basically. But uh, yeah, so uh, it's it's, 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 it's a movie I love, and I mean I've got a Jack Skellington tattoo. I actually drew a bunch of my own Nightmare Before Christmas stuff and have it tattooed all over awesome all over my chest. And um, also no, the music is the is the music's amazing. unbelievably good. But for me, this movie will always be. I mean. Just the the animation still puts me in awe. Like I'm in awe when I watch this movie. To to imagine these guys 
you know, I've got a big book about it and I've read everything I could find about it. And there would be times they would spend a whole entire day to get eight seconds of film. And that's it, which is because nuts, nuts. It's, it's crazy to imagine that how much work is stop motion. Like yeah. that, that there's a director who really loves doing stop motion is crazy because it makes no sense because it's just really, really hard work. Like those, are, those are the type of people that don't get upset when you go to the DMV. They just wait in line and they're okay. I'll just stand yeah. here all day and do nothing yeah. because that's, I, I'm, that's the kind of person I am. Yeah, probably. And yeah, it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's, Very it's good. such a good musical. Uh, um, the next okay. one is yeah. is probably one of the most of the better known musicals. It's been made the but, most times for sure. Yeah, but I haven't seen this one. Uh, it's the 2004 Phantom of the Opera. Oh, you've never seen this but, version? No, not yet. Because I never heard like great things about it. Because it's really no, for it's, horror fans. It's you know, it's fine. It's Joel Schumacher. He he's very good at making things shiny and pretty. He's a good filmmaker like that. Gerard Butler's fine in it. Um, but whenever I want Phantom of the Opera, I usually go to the, uh, what was the Claude Rain 43? 43, yeah. Yeah, I usually go to the 43 44. version because I think that's the best version of this movie. The silent one that we talked about a couple weeks ago is great, and I think it's a good Lon Chaney performance. But the 43 version, the the color palette throughout all of it, that, uh, the awesome. chandelier coming down, like all that stuff is just super cool. Uh, no, this one is fine, but it's a, one that I only watch once, and I'll never watch it again, I don't think. Because there's no reason to. If I want to get this story, that's not the version of this story that I want. Now, this has the most music in it compared to the other two. Like, you get more of the actual singing and things like that, but yeah. more of the uh, after the success of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Broadway run of Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, so this was, this was uh, well, it was the old movies first, then came the Broadway musical, and that was made into this movie, right? Yes. It's, it's yeah, not, yeah, 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 yeah. Be, because I think with Little Shop of Horrors and Rocky Horror Picture Show, those were movies that then got turned into actual stage musicals. I think. Right, right. So this one was the musical, then we got this version of the movie. Yeah. Okay, so then there's there's one that I haven't seen or heard of, uh, Mr. Prick's Heavy Metal Murder mis Musical from 2011. <laughs> Which, Which the is name, another one. The name sounds awesome, but man, the poster looks like my kid made it. It's it's not a really bad poster, but this one is actually on three stars flat on IMDb. Right. And Which is as Mr. Bad. Prick's, an ex-con left for dead in an empty New York City warehouse, deals with headaches caused by the bullet stuck in his brain, he pieces together memories and eventually faces the dirty cop who pulled the trigger. Yeah. So this sounds like they, they did the old uh, trick of, why is this a musical? Well, he's got something stuck in his head and now everything turns into music. Right. It's like that, that Scrubs episode where they made a musical <laughs> episode. Right. <laughs> so yeah, this, this doesn't sound good or look good, so... <laughs> Yeah. Now and then the, the next one up, we got another Sweeney Todd. So there was another version and it's on the list yeah. as well. It's, and like um, you said, it's a TV movie. <laughs> yeah, TV movie. Angel Lansbury, who's got a great voice, I think, she, and George Hearn. Uh, both of them. I would actually be interested in seeing that to see what that um, what that is. But it is the, the same story. And I think that's actually higher. Yeah, that's higher rated than the Tim Burton version. Yeah, on IMDb. 8.4 is a lot. Yeah, which is really, really good. And for a TV to be 140 minutes, um, maybe it went over a couple of nights. I don't I don't know. Maybe it was well, one of those well, like I, mini series. 
I'm pretty sure this this sounds like a British uh, TV production, and they just go crazy, right? Do they? they? Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, I've seen some things, but not all of it. Um, yeah, that, it's, it sounds really good, yeah. And so the next whole bunch of these, I haven't. I want to say I might have well, seen I, suck. Well, I I wanna I wanna uh, I wanna stop at the first one because uh, I'm not sure if you've seen yet, yet who directed this musical. The oh of, no! The Katakuris. Oh. <laughs> it's directed by Takeshi Miike. Oh, and now I, really I see yes, yeah. now I really want to see this. Oh, and it's on Prime. It's on Prime right now. All right, I'm gonna add it to my uh, watch list while we're while we're sitting here, so I don't forget. This, this is important. Yeah, it's. Uh, I haven't seen it, but it's. I, I've heard that it's crazy. It's a family moves to the country to run a rustic mountain inn. When to their horror, the customers begin be, befalling sudden and unlikely fates. The poster looks horrible. like the poster looks just like the sound of music. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a parody of that. It's from oh, this is by the way from two thousand one, uh, which is like the uh, the year for uh, uh, for Takeshi Miike. That's where he made like three or four movies in one year. He made Ichi the Killer in that year. I think it wasn't Audition two thousand one. No, that was ninety nine. Ninety nine, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but. Wait, let me see, because I think he made uh, at least a third movie in that and year. And Gozu was 2003. Itchy the Killer, you're right, was 2001. But I just added that to my Prime watch list. I'm going to watch that this week for yeah, sure. It's not for available sure. over here at all. I got to see if I can buy it anywhere. So let me see. In 2001, uh, Mike made... Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. So he made uh, Visitor Q. Um, Great he movie. Made the Happiness of the Katakuri. Ichi the Killer, Family, Agitator, and three or four short movies. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is a hard-working individual. Yeah, he, he somehow managed 100 movies in the short time he's been making movies. Which so, I love, his 100th movie, Blade of the Immortal. It's so much I fun. I got it here. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, you need to watch that. It's good. Um, okay, so that just went straight up to the top of my list of things to watch <laughs> because I love Takashi Miike. Yeah, so the, the next ones, yeah, I think we should skip over. To yeah, the next we'll just we'll seen. just name them real quick. Um, Highway to Hell was a 2012 video. Strippers versus Werewolves, which sounds um, awesome. Uh, so wait, wait, wait. The, the first one is called for you is Highway to Hell because for me it says El Dorado. <laughs> um, yeah, it says El Dorado I, in 3D, but then the actual title is Highway to Hell. I got the German titles on. Oh, uh, uh, okay. So, yeah, so, and guess. it looks like it's um, set into motion. A stranger, a tall, striking creature dressed in white, sets into motion a series of events while reciting the Edgar Allan Poe poem El Dorado. But, yeah, oh, mine's wow, called Highway to Hell. One second. Got, I, don't know, I don't know how this works, but the cast in this, uh, uh, Daryl Hannah, Peter O'Toole, David Carradine, Jeff Fahey, Michael Madsen. Oh, yeah. Bridget Nielsen, Steve Gutenberg. uh Huh. Mostly, I, I'm guessing this is like some uh, cut up or something like where they just took scenes from other movies because this can't be like this cast. Uh, 2012, okay, 2012. Maybe these were probably a bit yeah. cheaper. But this this sounds from the cast. It sounds like a, a, a Tarantino movie, right? <laughs> you got yeah. I mean, Kill Bill alum right there in the first uh, first couple of names. I was trying to see what the I don't know. It had a budget of a million dollars, and it was uh, shot in England. 
Peter Carradine, Michael Manson. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. the first review gives it one stars, and it says the the absolute worst movie ever. Yeah. Okay. The backstory behind me seeing this film, I lost a bet. <laughs> right. The film so, was basically uh, used as a form of torture on me, Clockwork Orange style, and it worked. I've never witnessed something this awful before in my life. The worst part is I'd seen it before under a different name of El Dorado. The only saving grace that they had chopped out an hour of the film before changing the title to Highway to Hell. <laughs> Now I kind of want to watch it to see if it's really that bad. Yeah, me too. And with with all these actors, that's the that's the thing that gets me. Like it's yeah, it doesn't. I, I um, want to see this. Okay, um, but let's keep moving on because we're already coming up on an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah. Uh, so strippers versus werewolves <coughs> um, looks kind of silly. Then suck. I swear I've seen suck with a rock and roll band that'll do anything for. Uh, it says we'll do anything, but I, I don't know if I have or not. But I feel like I've seen Suck, but who knows? I never know. Okay. And I was yeah, trying to no. see if there's anybody of note in there. Iggy Pops there, Moby, Alice Cooper. So you got a uh, Henry Rollins <laughs> and Malcolm <laughs> McDowell are all in Suck. So maybe I'll have to see if I can find Suck and see if it was the one I was thinking of. The next one I have seen. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Stage, stage fright. Stage fright. And you know, as far as horror. Musicals go. I really like the musical part of this. I thought the music yeah. was, good. It and was really I, good. I I felt also in the horror part like it wasn't very scary, but it felt close to a um, to a, um, to a slasher from the eighties. Like there was lots of uh, slasher vibes that we don't get from most. Well, uh, I think this movies. is. I think this is a remake because yeah, I've seen I, the I old. So I've too. seen the old one as well. Is the old one also a musical, or is it maybe just a stage play? No, no, it was a. I remember. I don't think it was a musical, but I do. I want to say it was like in the eighties or even in the seventies. But it could be yeah, eighty-seven. I, yeah, is the one that I had seen, and it looks like there was another one in two thousand seventeen, uh, and there was actually one in nineteen fifty. But I don't know if that is the same probably the same story <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's uh yeah the one i'd seen from the 80s they all lock themselves in the theater and you have somebody who's picking them off one by one that was actually pretty enjoyable but the 2014 one i didn't hate it wasn't a, yeah. a terrible movie by any means i actually i enjoyed that movie i i thought it was a fun yeah it, like you said it wasn't bad and i i just thought it, it it was yeah it was fun yeah maybe it wasn't bad is actually a good description of it yeah it uh, just it just yeah. wasn't bad <laughs> it, it, <laughs> right it got it got meatloaf in it <laughs> yeah how can you be mad how can you be mad yeah. if meatloaf's in it um and then the next one i actually haven't seen either but i'm adding it to my watch list right now because i've seen it pop up so many times the devil's carnival yeah i've seen I, it pop up a few times as well and it's directed by Darren Lynn Boosman, who uh, directed um, Repo. Oh, okay. So there's clearly something to him. And I think he also did like at least he one did, or two Saw movies. He did Saw 2 for sure. And then he had a segment in um, Tales of Halloween and uh, Arbiter. I don't know if you ever saw that. That was It was pretty cool. It was like the house was this. If I'm thinking of the same movie... They would take crime scenes, like whole crime scenes, and move them to this one house, this giant mansion, and then all this crazy shit started happening inside the house. But uh, so yeah, maybe I'll have to. Um, maybe I'll. I just added Devil's Carnival to my 
uh, IMDb or my Amazon. So we'll see. And then there's only two more left on this list. Uh, the Lure, I actually did want to see. Phil and I talked about it a few years ago. I really want to see that. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's really expensive, expensive over here. I think like 20 bucks for the DVD. But I think I'm going to buy it at some point because I really want to see it. It sounds great and I've heard great things about it. Yeah. And the, so you have these kind of mermaids who are taken into this cabaret kind of stage show. But it looks like one of them uh, goes nuts. And wants to eat people. And then the last one on the list. And the whole reason we're even doing this episode is because you finally got around to seeing Anna in the Apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I, I got to say, so Anna and the Apocalypse, I only knew it was about Anna and the Apocalypse. I think I didn't even know it was a zombie movie. Or a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, or a Christmas yeah. movie, yeah. Even though the poster gives it away, but I kind of... I. Don't think I even looked at the poster, really. Uh, yeah, it's... So, I, I gotta say, when it started, I was kind of worried. Because the the opening looks... Um, I, I, I don't want to say shitty, but it looks like a low-budget movie. Yeah, which I think, like, it, I think it was a pretty low-budget movie. Probably. What what does IMDb say about that? Uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have the budget listed. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks, um, it, it, but also it feels like not only low budget, but also um, like about uh, in a, like uh, with, with some director who maybe isn't, isn't as, as good yet or camera, like the, the opening shot where they're in the car and talking felt like really amateurish. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. And uh, so, but that was the opening. And then it just kind of got really good. And the characters were really enjoyable. I really liked the characters, even though they were kind of stereotypical. Yeah, they, they were. Added something about they were them. all pretty, um, pretty cookie cutter for the most part. Yeah. But they were, uh, I, I'd say, uh, enjoyable, like likable. That's the word. They, like, even though they were very cookie cutter and like very stereotypical they they managed to put heart into the characters uh and it didn't feel like they were stereotypical no no they had a lot of really great um like moments where i don't know it was like a coming of age story at the same time where everybody's kind of dealing with the idea of leaving high school leaving friends behind you have the christmas element going on at the same time throwing the zombie apocalypse and then the music was really good i liked the music in anna and the apocalypse music. The music was probably the best part about it. I For really sure. enjoyed the music. It's another one where I listened to the soundtrack a few times now and like picked out random songs. Like my my favorite uh, song is uh, well, there's two that share a spot. Uh, the first is a Human Voice, where they're all uh, sitting and uh, hoping they'll see each other again. Right. That song kind of just uh, I need a human voice. That's kind of really cool. And then the other one is. Uh, 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 an army, so, something that that's when the 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 bad the the bad dude uh, sings um, about fighting zombies and the best way to kill them and uh, sets up the rules that you have to be creative when killing zombies. And uh, that song is also really really fun. I also really like the the bad guy in this, the um, uh, Mr. Savage. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he good. is. Uh, he the, the actor is great, and also the the character is just like 
such an asshole, but it kind of makes sense. It's like this uh, power hungry uh, school teacher. Yeah, he goes they, um, when he like leaves them on the other side of the door, and like all these kids are dying, and he just doesn't care. He's uh, yeah, he's nasty. You're right. He was a good villain. Yeah, but what I gotta say, um, the 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 tagline of this movie is uh, La La Land meets Shaun of the Dead, and. I'd say that's, well, of course, they got to sell it, but um, I'd say what fits a bit more is, um, uh, damn, what was the, the zombie movie? I, I, I Oh, yeah, um, it's, um, now I just need to think of the title of the movie, <laughs> but uh, what was that, that zombie rom-com where... Uh, Life After Bath? No, the other one. The, um, oh, um, yes, but... <sighs> Damn it, what's it, Warm Bodies? Warm Bodies, yeah. yeah. I, I would say the better title would be Warm Bodies Meets High School Musical. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> because it, that's fair. It doesn't have, it, it doesn't have the, uh, the the musical chops and uh, cinematography of um, La La Land. It also doesn't fully get the comedy and humor and uh, also um, uh, just knowledge of uh, Shaun of the Dead. But... It's just on a smaller, on a much smaller scale. And, yeah, uh, which was a yeah. really good first outing by this guy, this um, John McPhail. I had talked to him a little bit when it came out. Like you know, he was still fresh enough to this where he was willing to just chat with me on Instagram. And I was like, "Hey, man, cool movie! Like what you guys did, I really enjoyed it." And we had talked back and forth for a while. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, but for a first first outing, and it's one that I'll probably watch every Christmas season. Because I think it's, I always look for my holiday Christmas horror movies to watch, and this one fits really well. Even though, yeah, it, like, yeah, it, it kind of fits at a Christmas horror movie, but also, I think for Christmas, this message is too dour for me because uh, th this movie, they, they actually dared to kill off some people that felt like. Uh, right. It actually hurt me when they killed these people off. But the when it comes to Christmas horror, I'm not looking to be uplifted. If I want to be uplifted, <laughs> I'll watch It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Story. But uh, yeah, but, whenever I'm watching Black Christmas, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night, all of that stuff. It's uh, but yeah, it's it was cool. True, yeah. I'm glad you finally got a chance to see it. And I think for anybody who enjoys musicals, it's one you should see if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, for sure. Or if you enjoy horror movies. <laughs> yeah, or if you enjoy horror movies. Um, all right, man. Well, that's um. That's it. There was one on that wasn't on the list that I don't know if I would consider a musical. And let me see what year it was from. It's from 2004. I don't know if you've ever seen Dead and Breakfast. No. Oh, it's awesome. This um, they go to this. It's got Jeremy Sisto in it. I don't know if there's anybody else uh, big of note in it, but he was the one. David Carradine was in it. Um, let's see who else. They look like the only really big names that were in it. Uh, but they end up at this bed and breakfast and everything gets overrun by uh, monsters. I can't remember if they were zombies or what. But throughout the movie, the camera will just pan over and you have this guy, kind of this country guy, who plays his guitar and sings a song about like what had happened or what is going to happen. And it was yeah. just so much fun. So much fun. Really liked Dead and Breakfast. Well, maybe I didn't. I don't know. I haven't seen it in years, probably since 2004. <laughs> but... Um, it's it's fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun, if I remember correctly. So I wanted to put that one out there because I couldn't think of uh, why I wasn't on the list. But who knows? Maybe it doesn't count. But 
I, I'm not sure who exactly made this list. I also found another list that had 40 movies on it. But I think with 23, we're already uh, yeah. at, a good, at a good point. Yeah, we're there. So if you want to get into contact with us on all the social media platforms, IHOH Podcast, or you can send us an email, IHOHpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you would jump onto Apple Podcasts and leave a rate and review, that would be wonderful. Um, that would be great. Yeah, that would be very cool of you to do. And then we'll, we'll read it on the show. So for the International House of Horrors, I have been Joe Merle. And I've been Josh. And we'll be back next week with more things terrible, horrible, brutal, bloody, gory, and the macabre.